Well, this morning as we prepare, the message is called A Perfect Picture Mentor. How many of you have ever had a mentor in your life? Raise your hand if you've had a mentor in your life. How many of now this is interesting. How many of you have ever been a mentor? Raise your hand. Excellent. Very good. This is very applicable this morning. We're going to get into the text. If you will, we're going to be in uh, the first four verses. Let's go ahead and carefully read uh, through this. This is a letter from Paul to his ministry partner, Titus. It is often referred to as a pastoral epistle. And yet there are many other applications that we find in Titus that we can relate to whether we're a pastor or not. So listen carefully, starting in verse one, he says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our savior. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Savior. This morning, let me give you a real quick background in the history of the book of Titus. You know, there's a, a, a passage or a verse here that you're going to hear coming up in the weeks to follow where Paul actually quotes a Greek philosopher about the demeanor, the attitude, the reputation of the Cretans, or as we sometimes know them. Really? No, you've never heard of Cretans? Have you ever heard somebody call someone a Cretan? My mom always used to call me a Cretan. Yeah, nobody's ever heard. Maybe it's just, my, it runs in my family. We're, yes, yes. So Cretans or Cretans as you will. And Paul quotes this Greek philosopher, Epimenides, from many years prior in Greek antiquity. And, and you'll read that in the verse that it is of no great valor that he speaks of. Uh, it is demeaning. Even several hundred years prior to the time of Christ or prior to the writing of this letter, even within their own uh, language within their own culture, within the Greek culture. These folks on this island were known as murderers. They were known as, as greedy people. That they were the hallmark of greed when it came to their society. And nothing had changed several hundred years later to the point where Paul even addresses it in this letter to Titus. Crete is an island that's kind of a, a, a demarcation between the Aegean and the Mediterranean. It was a strategic area. Rome was expanding, right? They were growing too big for their house. They decided to hit the road. They're taking a few countries here and there. They thought they'd grab this island, kind of flip it over, try to resell it later on. And so they're using it as a garrison. And now it's a military town. Have you ever been in a military city, folks? It's not the most puritanical place in the world. You know, when they say you talk like a sailor, sorry, Ben. When they say, you know, so get this picture in your mind. Not only did you have this indigenous people here, but now the Romans have used it as a strategic place for their military. And here's a fun fact for you. How many of you have heard about the Philistines? Remember the Philistines throughout the whole Old Testament, right? The Philistine lineage came from Crete. 
prior to even the Israel nation coming into Canaan, the Philistines existed in Crete, jumped on the love boat, headed on over towards the the west, and landed in the area of what we now term Gaza, and set up camp there and brought their gods. So a little bit of history of Crete. Not a lot of good came out of it. And if you're from Crete, I apologize. So as we look at the history, it helps us understand why Paul writes what Paul writes. Let's talk briefly before we get into the breakdown of the importance of a mentor. As I looked at the scripture, I'm seeing these first four verses as kind of a credential display by Paul. And so as you've had mentors in your life, or maybe you've been a mentor, I have a a question for you. Do they make you better? Have you made someone else better? Have you helped someone be successful? That is the purpose of a mentor. I have several mentors in my life. Some have passed. They're in antiquity. Some are are, uh, concurrent. Uh, Men like William Borden. Men like uh, George Mueller. Uh, My former pastor, Craig Miller, by the way, who uh, sent me a message that he was praying for our congregation this morning. Dr. Jim Cook, who some of you have met. Larry Adams, who's over the hill at Golden Hills. And my best friend, Kelly Patchen, who's a pastor in Benicia. All of these men have been mentors in my life. My wife is a great mentor in my life. She constantly shows me what it means to act in grace and wisdom when... I shoot from the hip. You know, it's, it's interesting. Often we seek those mentor relationships because advice. We need advice. How many of us have uh, dialed up Madam Chloe for some advice at 2 in the morning? Right? Don't do that. But advice is a commodity in our society today. There's a story about a doctor and a lawyer. Yeah, you know where I'm going. There's a story about a doctor and a lawyer that were at a cocktail party And the interesting thing in our society is people always want things pro bono. Last time I checked my Latin, that meant free, right? Okay, I'm I'm doing pretty good. We've hit three languages so far today. So uh, the doctor and lawyer at this cocktail party, and a lady walks up to the doctor and says, Doctor, my foot's killing me. What should I do about it? And he says, you know, put some ice on it, elevate it, put some compression on it, and uh, you should be fine. And so she went away, and they're talking, he and the lawyer, and he said, to the lawyer. Um, You know, I should charge her for that. I can't believe the audacity of people who just think they can walk up to you and get free advice when that's my profession. And the lawyer said, you know what? You got a great point there. I think you should. So the next morning, he wrote out a bill and (laughs) mailed it to the lady. Unfortunately, he got a bill from the lawyer. Yeah, some of you will catch that in a minute. This morning as we work through this idea of advice we all need advice to go it alone is to not become who we're supposed to become we get advice from the scriptures we get advice from the holy spirit those are our primary focus folks make no bones about it do not follow a man before you follow scripture and you follow the holy spirit but if you're going to follow a man or a woman and 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 you can read ahead okay titus 2 speaks about this If you're going to follow a man or a woman, let it be someone who has the credentials. Let's look at Paul this morning. He's the messenger. That's our first point. Paul is a messenger. And he breaks his credentials down in three ways. Number one, a servant. Number two, an apostle. And number three, a preacher. 
the servant is this idea of, the, and the Greek word here is doulos, and I always tell you that I, I, I'm not real thrilled about telling you what the Greek word says, because you aren't going to walk around using doulos. Hey, uh, honey, you want to be my doulos and, and bring me the remote? You don't say that. You don't say that. But for you to understand what he's speaking about, it literally translates this idea to serve others. Uh, I've heard it expressed this way. It's like being a waiter or a waitress. It is that attitude. It is that demeanor. And so Paul describes himself as a servant first. How many of our leaders, how many of our civil servants would describe themselves this way? It's an archaic idea in our society now, isn't it? Do you know that our legislation will commit 20 days of work between now and the end of the year? That's all they're on the hook for. Between re-election and between vacations, they will commit... How many of you will only commit 20 days of work at your job between now and the end of the year? I think a brilliant idea would be when they're not working, they should come back to their constituents and be what? The latter part of their description. A servant. Great credentials. By the man who wrote a majority of of the New Testament. He describes himself as a servant. Second, he describes himself as an apostle. And today there are different variations or understandings of this word. Uh, Again, I'm not even going to tell you what the Greek is. It's, It's up there. But it's this idea of being a messenger. He is a messenger. And Christ established the apostles to be his messenger. And to be part of those 12 apostles, which, again, in tradition, in church history, in antiquity, there was always those 12 apostles, include Matthias, drop off uh, Judas, and add in Paul as one untimely born. Paul described himself as an apostle. A messenger. And the unique thing about those apostles were that they had, number one, either witnessed Christ Himself or witnessed His resurrection. They'd either had an interaction with Christ personally and walked with Him, or they had witnessed, or, and they had witnessed His resurrection. And so there is the idea in, in the actual Greek, this idea of being a messenger, but there's also this office of apostle that was established just for that time. And that's what Paul is saying. He's giving his credentials. He also describes himself as a preacher. And this idea is to proclaim truth. One who proclaims truth. They cannot help themselves. They cannot hold back. They are compelled, uh, whether on a a pedestal somewhere, whether on a street corner, whether sitting at a table, they're constantly preaching. There's a story within our history that uh, as this country was going through a a very difficult time post-Civil War, a town meeting was held and there was a magistrate who presided over it and he was calling for order and asked the preacher, the town preacher, to please stand up and say a few words to get the meeting rolling. And so the preacher stood up and he started to say some words for five minutes. And the, uh, the magistrate kind <clears> of <throat> cleared his throat to send him. And the preacher went on for ten minutes. And uh, they're looking at the clock because there's an agenda. The preacher went on for 15 minutes and the uh, magistrate took his gavel and hit it once, trying to get the message across. preacher just kept going. 20 minutes. Hits the gavel like three times. Doesn't even phase the preacher. Keeps going. He's 30 minutes deep now into his opening statement. He can't help himself, folks. 
So the magistrate can't help himself. He now takes the gavel. He hucks it right at the preacher's head, misses the preacher, and hits a poor old gentleman that's sleeping in the corner. The old gentleman wakes up, realizes the preacher never missed a beat, is still preaching, and he says these words, Hit me in the head again. I didn't realize he was still going. Thank you. Sometimes preachers go for a very, very long time because they're compelled. It's who they are. They're passionate. And what they struggle with is this idea of seeing faces that may not be registering. They may be thinking, this is the first Sunday of NFL. And I'm thinking about my team right now. Or I'm thinking about my cousin is getting married. And why is she getting married and not me? And that's what I'm thinking about. We can see that all in your face. We can read it. And so the preacher is compelled to keep going and keep going until he gets some kind of recognition. Paul describes himself as a preacher. These are his credentials. Romans 10 speaks to the idea of how will people hear? Unless someone preaches. And how will they preach? Unless they are what? Unless they are sent. This morning I have a question for you under this first idea or question or point of the messenger. Paul is announcing his credentials. Who do you seek as a mentor? Does that mentor understand his message? Does he understand who he's called to be a mentor to? Paul did. Paul says this, To whom is he a messenger? To the elect. Now some of you are starting to get really tight. Your your brains are going to twist here and you're saying, Pastor, are we going to get into a sermon on predestined? No, I don't have time. That's not what this is about. This is a point to simply say the church. Okay, so just so you understand, he's speaking to the church His message is to the Gentiles. It is to the elect. It is to the church. And if you have questions about that, we can go on. That's in verse 1 where he describes who he is called to be a servant, an apostle, and a preacher to. He also says this, that his purpose is to be a servant, an apostle, and a preacher to what? Or for what? The growth and the knowledge of the truth and godliness. To the elect. You see, this mentor knew to whom he was called to preach a message and for what he was called to preach a message. Paul is announcing his credentials. This morning I have a question. Who would you choose as a mentor and why? Who would you choose as a mentor and why? What credentials should they have? Now, as I ask you that question, turn around and ask yourself, as those who are looking for mentors, what credentials do I possess? If I am called to be a messenger like Paul is called, maybe in different ways, but if God has called me to be a messenger or a mentor, what is my message? Let's look at Paul's message. It was from the Word. It was from eternal life. Verse 2. And let's read, let's read verse 2 real quickly so you, you see and understand. He says this, 
First of all, he announces his credentials. He's an apostle. He's a preacher. And it's, it's for the elect and, it's, uh, and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. And here's the message. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in His Word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. He saw the message as the message of eternal life. My friends, are we excited about eternal life? Is that your message? I hate it when things break. Scott and I and a few others spent our, our, our morning and a little bit of our afternoon here repairing things that break over and over and over. We got a new remote. Very excited about this. You know, we're taking the over-under on will this work through the entire PowerPoint. I'm excited because things break. Things break. Eternal. That is forever, my friends. Paul's message as the mentor is about eternal life. This is our message as well. His message is also about the Word as we saw in verse 3. And he speaks about Christ Jesus being that Word. And we see it in John's writings. We're familiar with this because we spent a year and a half in John. And we see this Word. The Word is called Logos. That's the Word listed here. Logos in Titus. It's also the same Word that's listed in John 1.1. 1, 1. And it's the manifestation of the ideas, the principles, the holiness, the communicative properties of who God is and His message manifested in Christ. He's a representation of the Word. This is the message of the messenger, Paul. Eternal life and the Word, Jesus Christ. And he says something that's very interesting He says, and this was promised before time began. This morning as I was up early, I was flipping through the channels trying to find some good, solid biblical teaching. Do you know how hard that is on a Sunday morning? That's a sad commentary on on where we're at, folks. And I was listening to a gentleman who uh, started speaking. I'm not exactly sure what he was speaking about. But he talked about the idea of Genesis 1-1 and and, uh, God created the heavens and the earth and he was talking about that in comparison to the Big Bang and, and how that there's just no way those are diametrically opposed issues. And yet, here's the issue is that if you truly understand the Big Bang, as even science describes it, oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, is that they call it an event of singularity. That at one moment, the entire universe became the universe. Does that not sound like God created The heavens, not the heaven, all the heavens and the earth. Sounds like it to me. In one instance. Now just understand that I'm not (laughs) pro-evolution. Let's not go down that road. But what I'm saying is let's give intellectual honesty to what we're looking at. So what happened before the heavens and the earth were created? You know, that's a big thing in quantum physics right now and and intellectual, pseudo-intellectualism is that, you know, all of this is related to time. The time directs and dictates all the sciences in one aspect or another. 
Isn't it interesting that Paul says, before time began, he promised eternal life before time began. Ephesians 2.10 says that that there were good works created before the foundations of the earth were set. And those good works were set for you. In Jeremiah, he speaks to the, the condition and the commissioning of Jeremiah as a prophet. And he says, I knew you before you were even born. I have created this ministry for you before you were even born. This is the message, my friends. That the promise of eternal life and the Word of God is there for us before time even began. It's beyond my pay grade to explain it. But I'll tell you what it does. It inspires me. That there is something much larger. There is something much bigger. There is something divinely inspired that God has an expectation for me to participate in. And for you. That is the message that the messenger brings. That is the message that he was encouraging Titus to bring to the saints. Last point, the messenger of the messenger. That sounds like the enemy of my enemy, right? The messenger of the messenger. That's Titus. There's a beauty and a simplicity in what we're about to unravel here with Titus. And when we're talking about mentors in our life, when we're talking about the necessity for advice, catch the eloquence to what has happened in this success story of a mentor and his student. There's a beauty here. Who was Titus? Titus was a spiritual son of Paul. And as you look at his description, let's, let's go back to it. Uh, verse 4. He says this to Titus, my true child in a common faith. He is writing to Titus. Now, a lot of Paul's letters, let's do a a quick examination. This is where you get to engage. Paul writes the letter to say Galatians. Who's he writing to? The church at Galatia. If he's writing this letter to Titus, who is he writing to? He's writing to Titus. Now this, being an inspired piece of work in the Word of God, it still would have been read in churches, but that's why it's called a pastoral epistle. is because the mentor needs to invest in his student. There's much at stake. We have many families at our church that are business oriented, have their own businesses. And as I look around the room, I can see multiples. Uh, We have one family that runs a local establishment that my son has been the benefactor of working at. Uh, We have several in the audience. Um, One gentleman in particular, near and dear to my heart. And often, Fernando, Scott has to leave the shop. Does he struggle in leaving the shop? Just like any owner would struggle in leaving the shop. He would never leave the shop if he didn't have Fernando there. 
Now, Fernando's saying, well, no, wait, there's days where I'm off. And, and he, he goes, but you guys get the point, right? That in order for the work to be done and done in a quality way, you have to invest in somebody and there has to be a representation of getting the job done to a level that is not just satisfactory, but that truly accomplishes what can be accomplished. So the messenger of the messenger, Titus, was a spiritual son. Titus was somebody that Paul had invested much in. Let's look at how that plays out. He was a partner of Paul's ministry. We can see in Acts, in the latter uh, chapters of Acts, where uh, Paul talks about leaving Titus in certain places, in certain uh, churches, to do exactly what he's doing here in Crete. He traveled with Paul. He was a student of Paul's. Paul invested in Titus. And as he had to move on, we don't know for sure because we don't have another record of it and it doesn't necessarily ascribe anywhere in Acts that Paul actually even stopped in Crete, but it's assumed because of this letter. And yet Paul has to move on. Paul is separated. He's not there. And yet there's much work to be done. And Paul actually says it. There is unfinished work here. And so Titus... You, my true son, my spiritual son, I'm going to leave you here to do what I would have done. He's leaving the keys to the shop in Titus's hands. He was a partner in Paul's ministry. He was trained and discipled and served with Paul. He was a trustworthy, understanding fellow with Paul's ministry. Who are you partnering with? Who trusts you? In what way are you learning from someone so that they will leave the keys to the shop in your hands? How are you preparing? And what are you preparing for today? He became Paul's representation to those on Crete. Obviously, Paul trusted Titus deeply. This was no great or simple task that he left Titus with. This was a challenge. And we don't hear a lot of history afterwards, so we can't really measure it scripturally. But Titus was left to establish elders and to help get a footing within these churches that had been established in Crete that were struggling. And as we move through, you're going to hear what Paul says. Titus, mind this. Be careful of that. Be sure the church understands this. Be sure that they don't participate in that. Lead, lead, lead. Lead like I would lead. I'm trusting you, my servant, my fellow minister, my fellow preacher. Lead. He became Paul's representation. As you think about what God has called you to do in ministry or in service to Him. Number one, we need to reflect Christ. That's who we reflect first. Number two, I encourage you, reach out to find someone who can invest in you to get you to where you need to be, to what God has called you to be. Seek after that. Be unrelenting in pursuing that. And you will grow. He shared the same purpose as his mentor. You know, Roman leaders, the Caesars, 
didn't always share the same purpose. And when they didn't share the same purpose, what did they do? Well, they just killed the, the mentor. <laughs> Mentorship was a little overrated in the Roman Empire. But under God's economy and in God's plan, we need those mentors in our life so that we can be the messenger that God has called us to be. Let me ask you several questions in closing this morning. Who has had a major impact on your life? Think about that spiritually. And may I encourage you, let them know that this week. Encourage them in what they are doing. Let them know how they have been successful in a legacy effort. That their work went beyond you to others. Let me ask you, how do you carry on their message? How do I carry on the message of William Borden? Is it enough for me to simply write no reserves, no retreat, no regrets on my emails? No. But it is something to act that way. And it gives me a little bit of a taste of a mentor, a spiritual mentor in my life that I could never talk to and never meet personally. But to act in the reflection and the way of their purpose and the way of their message helps me understand and connect in a deeper way with them. In your notes this morning, let me encourage you, name someone that you can carry this message of eternal life. Name someone. Write it down. Who can you carry this message to? How can you be that mentor? How can you be the Paul or the Titus? Secondly, write down one more name if you will. Name someone you can ask to mentor you. Be thinking about their credentials. Do they come with loaded credentials? I remember when I asked two of my mentors to have that influence in my life. Um, one was when I got into college. And it's the first time I heard about mentoring. It's the first time I heard about accountability. It was like this buzzword around uh, uh, the master's college. And uh, so we thought, well, let's, let's get a, an accountability group together. That'll be great because that's what everybody else is doing. And we don't want to miss the boat, right? But something kind of just kept sticking in me and, and challenging me. And it went something like this. You know, if you really want to make this count, find someone you're really scared of spiritually. Then go ask them. And I did. Just so happened that he was six foot seven. He was a theology major. And I'll never forget the night that he grabbed me out of the lounge in my dorm, took me into the hallway, and threw me up against the wall and thumped me in my chest and said, What are you doing? I said, I think I was just talking to somebody out there. And he said, I know where you've been. I know your reputation. And you need to decide right now who you're going to live for. Because it counts. That matters. That's mentorship. 
Or mentorship is seeking after someone who has paid ultimate consequences for the cause of Christ. Someone who is so far beyond your idea of considering and thinking to invest in you because your life doesn't parallel them whatsoever. To prayerfully consider and wonder, could I ask that individual to invest in me as the Spirit leads them? And that's Dr. Cook in my life. And there's so much that I gain from that. There's so much that I learn. And some of what you see is a reflection of His purposes. Because His purposes are a reflection of Christ's purposes. This morning, as we look at just a very simple intro to a book, it's not such a simple intro. There's much to examine there this morning. And I encourage you, I implore you, Meet your calling. Meet what it is that Christ has for you. Whether it is to find a mentor to encourage you on and push you into that next step of faith and and relationship. Or to prepare yourself to be that mentor in somebody else's life. Prayerfully consider this morning. Let me close in prayer. And you are dismissed after... I pray. If you would like prayer for anything or you're a visitor this morning, I will be up here. Please feel free to come up. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to pray with you. And then we have food out on the deck. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we come to you with a reflective heart, thinking, praying, considering what is it that you have for us? What is it that you will give to us when it comes to being a messenger or receiving a message or living with a mentor uh, relationship. Father, help these words not to simply be words. Let us examine that relationship between Paul and Titus and understand that it is through those relationships that your ministry goes out. And so for us as a church, we should be seeking the same. Let us find mentors, Lord, that come with credentials. Let us be mentors, Lord, who have the proper credentials that we need So that as we pour into those around us, it's not an empty effort. Thank You, Father, for Your choice, Your ministry, Your design to work through those around us and through us as well. To Your glory, Father. Amen.